correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. You're listening to Shared Sagas, an Australian RPG actual play podcast. This podcast features adult language and adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. Greetings, and welcome to Shared Sagas. This is going to be session nine of our Waterdeep Dragon Heist campaign. My name is Tom, I will be your friendly GM slash DM. As per usual, let us go around the table and meet our players and characters for today in attendance, beginning with you. Hi, my name is Nadia, and I am playing Jez Locke. She is a half-elf rogue and one half of the Locke twins. Fantastic. And... I am Nick, playing Nick Locke. <laughs> the other half of the Locke twins. The educated half. It's <laughs> good, it's good. Notice you didn't say the smarter half. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't say better, you didn't say better, you just said, that's good, that's good. Literal fact. <laughs> that's just science. Hi, I'm Sam, I play Izzy, a gnome wizard. Fantastic, and... I am Mark, I play Hurst, the half-orc druid. Fantastic. So, when last we left our lovable scoundrels, uh, they had just, I believe, just returned from a... Well, okay, so half of them had just returned from a magical day out, interacting with all... All kinds of nonsense down by the docks. Izzy, Lyle, and Jez went and met a sexy pirate captain, who Jez Jez has a date with later. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, she seemed pretty keen. We'll see if that develops. Also met a dragon, a bronze dragon, uh, which was bothering some sailors. And the harpers asked on behalf of the city, hey, can you find out what this bronze dragon's up to? Because that's not cool. And then you also then went and met a wacky elderly <laughs> human uh, female explorer who had a small arcane submarine, which you then used to battle a giant shark under the water. Lyle took one of the funky potions and turned into a giant and then picked up the picked up the, <laughs> the mast of the ship and skewered the giant shark. So I have a question about the mechanics of a halfling giant. Yes. <laughs> so picture a halfling, yes. but about 25 feet tall. Jesus. Yeah. How tall traditionally is a regular giant? 50? It depends on the giant type. But I'm so glad you are. Is he a half-sized giant is what I'm getting at? No, no, no. He, he, is the, he became the size of the giant that the potion took its name from. But the proportions of a halfling. Yes. So like really round. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. So the ship that he was in at the time. The, the I was going to say, how did the ship like... The, 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 it was said it was submerged. It was oh, submerged. Right, thank God. Underwater. Yes. I have a question. Sure. If the halfling is twice the size, can they get away with twice the number of meals in one day? Maybe. I mean, look, <laughs> I, I don't the think wizard did it. I don't feel that... I had nothing to do with this. A wizard did it, not the wizard did it. I <laughs> feel that a standard second breakfast would not quite cover it. So, <laughs> however, 
what we then established was to explain the absence of Hurst and Nick, you went on a wacky side quest together, mismatched to the extreme, and just... And for purely comedic effect, we decided that you, uh, Nick, were dragged out into the sticks to deal with uh, apparently some animal-slash-emerald enclave nonsense. Um, Hurst doing a mission for the Emerald Enclave, you dragged out into the muddy farmlands and just... It was like, a sarcastic fox. <laughs> rows of corn. <laughs> so, uh, so interestingly, it was in fact a, a, it was a series of attacks on farmers. It turned out to be infernal ank eggs. So, you know, ank eggs, these gigantic burrowing. All I'm hearing is pancakes. I'm sorry. What, what is the actual word you're saying? Ank eggs. Ank so eggs. are a D and D monster, which is essentially a gigantic sort of like burrowing mandible, having something between like a cockroach and, and an ant. Or a termite. Or yeah, yeah. Like, they are the size of tigers. Like they're, they're large Holy and they crap. they burrow under the ground and they mostly uh, eat livestock and so they normally are the the bane of farmers and rural, those that live in rural communities. So as that is, I'm going to run with infernal pancakes okay. for my own cannon. Good. Because I mean that's that's a whole list of problems sorry, in of itself. So real, real quick, sorry. So there's ankhags. Yes. And then these were infernal. Yes. Modifier ankhags. Yes. So these are ankhags with the essentially like a devil, a half devil template upon them. You two battle them furiously in the farm that actually belong to one of these suspects quote unquote that was in your devil worshipper list oh, yes. which is which which of, which of course was the snow beetles the yes. halfling wealthy cider having orchid they have a grand apple yeah. a grand apple orchid so perhaps you went along to investigate and to say okay well since we're here helping this, this, these snow beetles out let's see if in fact they you know oh look I guess they are. Yeah. And so what actually happened was it turned out there was, in fact, a demon-worshipping summoning circle in their basement. You you spoke to, pardon me, Marcus Snowbeetle, who is the elderly patriarch of the Snowbeetle family. Uh, and he is just this, you know, elderly halfling who shows you around and says, well, well now you know I have a problem with these here ankhags. <laughs> now, I'm no big fancy city halfling, but uh, uh, let's just say that uh, we have our own problems out here. <laughs> Thank you so much. for." And so he, he led you around his fields and you came up you came up and uh, and you did you did actually kill the NKs which seemed to be causing a problem for him so then upon some more thorough investigations with yourself you determined that in fact he was lying thankfully or perhaps not thankfully he'd sacrificed the rest of his family to the devils <gasps> oh yeah that, that's um, as you do so, so it <laughs> was saves us the trouble I guess but he, hims- but he himself despite being a wealthy and powerful merchant and cider um, is still a creator halfling. was still just a little commoner halfling he was like you know the, the equivalent of basically one level of rogue or something you so you easily subdued him and you brought him into the authorities after you know intimidating him into you know confessing and whatnot and all, all the all the evidence was it was in the home. It's not good cop bad cop. It's sarcastic cop rough cop. Exactly. So take your pick. So after this madcap adventure, soaking soaking wet because it was raining all day and you're in the muddy fields battling, battling these yes you're and maple syrup. You're covered in <laughs> you're covered in manure. In feel like he took it out on the halfling. <laughs> probably, probably drunk on cider. <laughs> Miserable. Definitely drunk on cider. Just wanting to flipping get home to Troll Skull Manor. Uh, you make your way along. I, I imagine some. I'm just imagining, and, and and please demonstrate for me the 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 comic banter that occurs as you are 
Hurst has uh, stolen some apples. <laughs> making your way back. It's, it's sort of late afternoon, evening, right? So as you're making your way back to Trollskull Manor, the fog has risen in spring. There's a little bit of light rainfall, so you're mostly sticking under, under awnings and you have your traveller's cloak pulled tightly about your head as you make your way through the largely deserted city streets uh, as you make your way towards your neighbourhood. Proceed. This is why I don't leave the city limits. <laughs> Well, uh, maybe if you left the city limits more, uh, you'd be better prepared for this. I told you your shoes were too soft to go out in the country, but no, you didn't listen to me. Sorry, I don't own shoes made of dragon scales and mud. Well, I mean, you do now. Yeah, well, now, cobbled together out of whatever you can find in the barn. Hurst, with your 20 passive perception, you notice that Nick, in fact, has lost his shoe, and due to his disgruntled nature, he has not yet noticed it, and he is simply walking along the... <laughs> oh, Lord, I have cat- Alice's now. <laughs> I'm one of those people. I feel like I've actually done a day's work. One of them sucked into the sucked into the mud. I don't, I'm not telling him. He's been annoying. He's been annoying this whole trip. He's just like, <sighs> uh, I'm letting it go. As that's great. As you, I slap the halfling again. You, you two. <laughs> <laughs> He's over my <laughs> shoulder, and you're just like <laughs> you, you've handed him off to the city guard by now. Oh, it's like situation because well, I go to slap him, but then realize <laughs> yeah. he's not there anymore. <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm going back to the guardhouse. I want to slap that halfling one more time. No, 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 no I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> So, so, one of the last things he said to you was something along the lines of, well, now I realise in retrospect that uh, selling our family's souls to the, this here de- devil lord has not really worked out in my favour, but I suppose hindsight is 2020. Did, did, did he seem weirdly cheerful? <laughs> well, I do believe you've got me dead to rights, so I'm in a bit of a pickle. Let's see if this half length finds his way out of this trouble. Find out after the break. <laughs> Puffs on pipe and snaps braces. Um, so you, how do you keep getting the pipes? <laughs> you keep taking them away. Where are they coming He's like from? a hex blade, but the pipe is. You know, <laughs> calls the pipe to him across. Okay. So as you make your way towards Trollskull Manor, you hear the thunderous calamity and the rollicking clunk 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 of a carriage moving at relatively high speed initially, but then it slows down as it goes to pass you from behind. Looking up at this ominous black gilded carriage, clearly belonging to a noble person of some repute, the symbol on the door is one that you recognize uh, from your companions informing you about and from the brief moment that you saw her previously, which is, of course, it is the Silverblade family house crest, Grandmother Death's house. And this ominous black carriage with the curtains drawn and shutters closed being driven as always by the tiefling with sort of pale blue skin tall lean male with two curved scimitars at his side and in this particular case a very very sort of almost Victorian era thick you know Dracula's driver style leather duster and mm. broad brimmed hat it sort of pulls up a little bit in front of you like exactly teeth exactly like every teething I've ever played if, if you <laughs> the exact same outfit I always yes just every teethling you've ever he feels suddenly called out. <laughs> so he, he pulls up in front, and these two enormous black war horses that are being that are leading the carriages just kind of stop. And, and he gets off and just kind of play, holds up his right hand for a moment. And then uh, looks to you in particular. Uh, I will Nick. go to awkwardly high-five him. No, so <laughs> He says, um, <clears throat> and he speaks with a really, really harsh whisper. And if you look with both of your passive perceptions being ludicrous, you can mm. actually see that he has such a scar across his neck right. that you think he looks like he is someone who has been like half decapitated. And, and then like magically healed. Magically yeah, healed. Brought back. And says, if you wouldn't mind, Lady Silverblade wishes a word with Nick Locke. Will I get a ride the rest of the way back into town? Back to Trollskull. 
Yes. If you I don't like. care if you have Tiamat in there. I'm going. <laughs> Do you want... Are you going alone? Come along. All right. The, in, the, the meeting is just for him. You may ride with me on the top or walk next to the carriage. <laughs> I will ride with him on the top. He, hold, he, 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 he puts a blue, you know, sort of slightly clawed hand on the door and says, It is your choice. But I recommend that you accept her invitation. It will come but once. I, I literally just did. <laughs> it just seemed... Oh, I know, I'm just being... It seemed like Hurst may be having a... Uh, uh, and, and perhaps with good reason, may have some suspicions about it. Yeah, well, look, the good news is, is the things that he's just said has definitely convinced me that everything's going to be absolutely fine. <laughs> good. Oh, my God. And he is not ready to just, like, deck the, <laughs> deck the, the, the driver at the cop- drop of a hat. Okay, so without the carriage door... So the, he opens the carriage door, and you can see that in the carriage there are actually three figures. Uh, it's it's very luxurious. Think think of think of this like the fantasy Renaissance equivalent of a stretch limo, right? Mm-hmm. The, the interior is, is, is it's sort of an extra long carriage to the point where in the middle there is actually a large sort of almost like a dark wood coffee table complete with so a, a bowl of fruit some cheese and snacks and a couple of bottles of wine and you can see Grandma Death up close and she is as mentioned a very elderly woman about her 80s or so very very sharp stern features if you picture an aged Tilda Swinton so yeah. like Tilda Swinton in about 30 years or so dressed up and playing the evil stepmom from uh, Sleeping Beauty yes. um, from Cinderella sorry Cinderella yeah, yeah, yeah. the evil stepmom so yeah. her, her grey hair is a huge high hair thing and she has the sort of the Victorian sort of Purple, puffy, right, pu- yeah. purple and puffy sleeve coat and so forth. High collared. Exactly, exactly so. She's mum from Futurama. <laughs> so sitting across from her, you can see somebody that you that you do not recognise actually because you weren't there, and you're actually one of the only people that weren't, I believe. But to ex- to explain his, uh, him for the for the audience and others, he is a tall, gangly-looking man who kind of looks like an urban ranger. Um, mm. He's very, very lean, sort of wolf-faced, oily black hair. He looks very nervous. Like, he's not comfortable being here at all. He is dressed in essentially just dark leather armor, and he has very clearly visible on his upper neck a uh, black Zentarum snake tattoo. He is actually bound. So he has manacles around his wrists, which are linked to just simple a simple uh, chain that takes them down to his ankles as well. So he's rather well secured. And then sitting across, you can see that there is a dead female dwarf. And by dead, I mean an animated dead oh, female right. dwarf. She is she looks to be a like a zombie dwarf. She has got not a beard, but you know black sideburns. Her skin tone impossible to tell now because it's largely rotted. And she kind of sits there looking at you with the, the scariest part is she looks very aware Mm. She looks like she's an animated zombie that has been given back. Like a lich or something. Yeah, well, I mean... Like a lich. You, you seriously doubt it because she looks, once again, uncomfortable and not not happy here <laughs> at all. This, wa- this wasn't her choice. So basically like a reanimated body as opposed to a zombie. I- exactly yeah, so. Like, hey, you back in here now? Exactly so. That's for where? So it, does it look like she's been dead for a significant period of time? Um, is she the dwarf th- friend that was promised to die? No. Okay. No, good. no, no. This is not Agatha Brightmantle. This yes, is... Uh, uh, who Nick would recognise this yeah, is yeah. Uh, some so I will tell you uh, for the audience and for Jez and Hurst benefit not being there but needing to have some entertainment uh, that these are the two Zentarum that survived your fight in the alleyway when you mm. killed well survived quote unquote yeah. Yeah. Uh, the fight in the alleyway when you killed Grandma Death's grandson so you killed him Jez did 
But then the this guy ran away straight away uh, at the outset of the fight. The dwarf kept fighting, but as soon as he was killed, she just went, no, nah, I give in and threw down her axe and gave up and obviously went back to be uh, rewarded for her efforts, so to speak. Did you have to go get rewarded? By grandmother death. Someone who calls herself <laughs> grandmother death. So as you walk in, she appears to be sipping tea and yeah. uh, and simply gestures to the fruit and, and she says, please have a seat. Uh, she asks you to sit next to the dead dwarf and the rangy fellow is next to her. Now, to be clear, she is sort of on the front of the carriage and so she's kind of facing backwards yeah. and the driver is more or less above her. Yeah. So, and the two dead and the two others are sitting on the seats. Well, you would, you would if you sit, you yeah. would be sitting next to the dwarf but across from the dude. Uh, so she says, uh, please have a seat. So nice of you to uh, agree to have a small chat with me. Well, we have you some... see I'm missing a shoe. Oh, I see. <laughs> So she, she looks at him for a second and says, oh, Say whatever else you wish of him and his uh, propensity for ill-preparing for certain things. Marshram always has excellent footwear. I suppose it comes from being a tractor. Give me your shoe. And so, and she rolls, she rolls her eyes, realizing that he's, that he's bound. Mm. And she turns to the dwarf and says, You, give him his shoe. And the dwarf just kind of dead, just kind of like... <laughs> Just like this, this twisted thing. As she reaches forward with her stubby dwarf hand, like you hear the bones crack and grind. Like it's just, and as she stretches down, you can even see a, a, some of her rotted flesh just tears across her arm. She pulls off the shoe, <laughs> and despite appearances, it's actually a pretty nice shoe, you know, and, and matches the other one. And she says, "Oh no, they must match the other one as well, please." Right. And so, you know, if nothing else, they are nice leather shoes. And so she gives I'll it, take them. Gives them to you, and, and they're of a, a, an appropriate size. Your voice tall. I'll you know? toss my other remaining shoe onto his lap. Okay, great. Um, is this like so? Just setting the scene. Setting the scene. The carriage has not moved. The driver has got has gone up to sit in the seat. Okay. And then just kind of sits there looking at you and says, "You can ride with me, or you can walk along next to the carriage." I cannot. Right. Hurst doesn't care either. Hurst will quite, uh, sit up next to him, mm -hmm. and he'll sort of sit like he's just being, you know, sullen and quiet. Hurst. Uh huh. But he's mm -hmm. sort of trying to actively listen to what's going on behind him. Oh, yeah. Look, I mean, I'm just going to say, Hurst, with your uh, passive perception of 20, you can hear everything. Okay, on I mean, if something very subtle occurs, I might make you roll, but generally speaking, you're... <laughs> it is as though you are in the carriage as well. I just want to be ready for if things need to kick off. I don't necessarily think they will, but... No, no, no. Fair uh, enough. Hurst, being someone who believes in the laws of nature yes. and resurrecting a dead body being against the laws of nature... Oh, yes. Hurst is really ready to just turn into an ape and throw Grandma Death across the room. That is fair enough. So... Sorry, Granny death? Grandma death. Grandma death. Or, or grandmother death, I should say. So, grandmother death turns to you, Nick, and, uh, and looks up and sort of gives a little smile as you put the, the shoes on. And she leans forward ever so slightly and says, uh, you have your choice of tea or something stronger. I should say right from the outset that I wish you no particular harm at this moment, so you may relax. Well, all right then. I kind of want there to be like a panel in the middle of this table that kind of opens up and there's like a wet bar that rises up out of the middle of the table. <laughs> that, that would be cool. I tell you the next evil interrogation that goes on in the carriage will yeah. have that happen. I always feel it's good to establish intentions of harm. You know, I don't wish you any specific harm. <laughs> While there may still be general harm that I want heading in your direction, it's good. You know, you don't have a sort of clear picture in mind about, you know, this or that. You I, know, don't I wish mean, a lot of people very general harm. You know, I don't mean to hurt you, but I would laugh if you fell over in the street. <laughs> 
She says, I've recently completed my rather extensive investigations into yourself and your family, and from all accounts, you are an exceptionally intelligent individual. I spoke to several of your instructors at the university. Oh, well, I fear they got the better of me. No doubt you'll take after your mother rather than your father. Yes, yes. So I'm very, very confident that with the decisions a man of your intelligence are likely to make, given my proposals, that there'll be no harm coming your way from myself, either now or in the future. So oh, you, well. you may emphatically relax. I emphatically relax. <laughs> this is demonstrated by a slight slouch, a little lean, and maybe a foot up on the dead dwarf. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> First of all, we must be precise. Positive identification. She turns to the female dwarf, who just says... And like shakes her head. Oh, I see. He, I he bet was... you're thinking of the other one. He Short was... hair, rough cut, terribly uncivilized. So just to confirm, you were not there at the time. Where? You'll have to be a little more specific about the place and the time. <laughs> she looks at you for a prolonged moment and then takes a long sip of tea. You said says, precise. Your word, not mine. Very well. And she, she steeples her fingers. Ah, and... the finger steeple of evil <laughs> contemplation. <laughs> Oft have I employed it in my own interrogations. <laughs> <laughs> and match it with my own little steeple. She's regretting <laughs> promising not to kill you now. She's, she, she gives a little eye twitch, but then says, well, we ignore the classics at our peril. <laughs> I have a simple proposal for you. Yeah, that's this... what a lot of girls say, but you know what? It's not the engaged proposal, it's the engagement. Yeah. <laughs> now, you have had some success in the criminal arena, and by all accounts, you are an exceptionally charming individual, and despite some things, you are proving to be not an entire disappointment in that regard. <coughs> oh. However, rest assured, regardless of what happens here, it would behoove you to be incredibly polite to me from now on, young man. Ooh. I <laughs> have a slight problem. I was retired, and uh, happily so. I occasionally kept my fingers in some of the business pies of my former organization, but however, the death of my grandson is something that has forced me out of time. Oh, I'm so terribly sorry to hear about him. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> you probably don't know. Well, yeah, I was gonna say would, 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 he, he wouldn't have known, right? No, you you are aware. You you've shared information. Mm. So Nick is very well aware that Jez killed her grandson in other okay. ways. Okay, in that case, I'm just lying. Okay, so you're playing dumb. That's fine. I, I often do uh, Socratic irony as a character. I'm, I'm Socratically ironic <laughs> that I pretend to be obfuscating stupidity. Yes. Yeah. Just like, ah, I'm a noble. I don't know what's going on. No. <laughs> exactly. Indeed. I mean, she's not going to fall for it, but... She says, and believe me when I tell you that I care nothing for that ungrateful little shit. He was a terrible human being, even for the criminals in our family. Now, sadly, I have lost my son and daughter, his parents, uh, quite quite some time ago. Uh, killed on the job, of course, as I suppose he was, although in a much more inglorious fashion. The point is, he was the last of my family legacy, which I've been told that I must try to care about, frankly. <laughs> If that rotten fruit was the last offspring of the family tree, I'd be just as glad to see the whole limbs burned. But there is one's reputation to consider. Mm. And I still must have dealings with my other former and present lieutenants of the Zentarum, particularly since we have been so emboldened by the arrival of our new Dark Lord and Master. May he rule forever. She says, rolling her eyes. <laughs> I do not want is any that of that this. that squid-faced fellow? 
No, that would be Lord Manchun, or more accurately, a clone of Lord Manchun, passing himself off as the real thing, as I believe they all do. This is secondary to the point. It sounds I, like it is. Now that I'm back in the game, mm. I have to make this right. I don't care that your insipid little bitch of a sister killed my grandson, but I do care about my name and reputation. But I see no reason why blood has to be paid with blood always, but there must be some recompense. So, I offer you a happy medium. I offer you another choice beyond a tiresome family feud. I'm the last of my family. I'd be shouldering a lot of the work myself, and no one wants that. You don't have to be the last of your family. It's just a handsome woman like yourself, you know? (laughs) I do not bank, either figuratively or literally, on you actually managing to rejuvenate Troll Skull Manor and that tavern, which I hear is doing amazingly. In a spot that she, she frowns for a second and says, for various occult reasons, very much suits me. Or rather suits some patrons of mine. So here is the deal. Do we have vampires? She smiles and says, I see you've not looked in too much into the history of your house. Do I you spend most of my time around the bar area, because that's where <laughs> the maids are, and the bar winches, and the alcohol, and okay. the money. We have bar watches? Uh, this is sort of more my sort of scene, if you know what I mean. She sort of gives you a look over and says, Ah, yes, I know many others in the game that played the foppish dandy. You do it better than most. I was almost fooled. Yes. Play. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll give her a little wink, like, okay, you've rumbled me. <laughs> so, I wish for you to agree to something that will be much, very much to your benefit. You are adventurers, mercenaries, criminals. I don't know what you call yourself, and frankly, I don't care, but you don't have time to run a tavern. Surely now that you've rejuvenated it and proven that it can work, you want to sell it off to the highest bidder. Well, I happen to know the highest bidder. They're willing to offer 12,000 gold for the, for the tavern. You will agree to this sale, and you will be 12,000 gold richer, and the tavern will be given over to them. And who are they? I will be making the sale on their behalf, and no. for reasons I'm sure you can understand, will not be giving you their identity. No, no, I'm sure it's that beholder fellow. Once they own it, she, she frowns for a second and says, There's you know, a big, big eye, lots of little tentacles also with eyes. My dear boy, that is the Xanathar. There's nothing to do with the Xantarum. They both. Start with an X or a Z. Some similarity there. <laughs> There's another prolonged pause, and she sort of shakes her head slightly. Maybe it's not an act. Anyway, I twelve thousand you say for Troll Skull Manor. Indeed. Oh, and one other small thing. Mm-hmm. Your sister. Yes, you want her head or some such. Well, I need someone, That's and right. would either need to be her, who is the actual guilty party, or possibly if you can find another person that I can, you know, make an example of. Oh yeah. She she gestures to her. Uh, subordinates <laughs> and says uh, oh yes uh, I suppose we're done here then she says looking to the other guy who's bound and she gives out a little she gives a little ting on a teacup and then Hurst you see the the henchman says like relax I mean you know how and then pulls out his scimitar and then just stabs down through barely without looking through the back right through this guy's th- at the back of his head and Nick you just see the blade come out of his mouth and he's like, oh, oh. did I know, did Hurst know mm-hmm. where Nick was sitting? Yes. Because you can hear so well. You can very clearly hear this. So I know it's not opposite side. Yeah. 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 Okay. Absolutely. Because that would have been, that's a very important point. Oh, it, yes. Even if he said, that means you know home, and then stabbed the thing, you it's like, yeah. do, do I mean Nick? Oh, very, a very good point. But no, yeah. with, your, with your perception, okay. well, absolutely. All right. Oh my goodness, you turned his blade, his, his tongue into a blade. That'd be super useful. <laughs> the least, uh, the least of my. Oh magical. no, it's just a sword through his face. Yes, okay. The least of my magical abilities. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not done with him yet. Of course, death is just the beginning when you serve me. 
So, I want your sympathy. Oh, that's why they call you Grandmother Death. Ah, yes. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna kill I thought you. because you were really old. She smiles. She's says, gonna kill you on principle. <laughs> she smiles and says. to die soon. She smiles and says, uh, You really are better at this act than uh, I actually first thought. I'm sure it'll work for you. Perhaps you can even be of use, but I need your sister. Okay. I'll find out. I, I can't let that little trollop kill my grandson and live. It doesn't. No, look, no. I mean, it doesn't look yeah. The number of times I've thought about asking for her head or something like that. <laughs> I know you're preaching to the converted, but perhaps I don't know if we give you like the Illithid's head instead. Say he was to blame. That's a pretty coup for you. And better than taking revenge, you've also taken out an enemy lieutenant. I mean, that's got to be worth something too. Plus, he has a brain on legs. You could like mm. double mount them. Hmm. So she frowns and says, hmm, I tell you what, you have until the end of spring. At that time, I will come for the deed of sale Mm -hmm. to have that signed off on. Mm -hmm. And I would expect to have either Jez Locke's head Mm -hmm. or someone else appropriate. Otherwise, I will take it from someone in your family. That's fair. Uh, Fair warning. You may not be able to tell the difference between her head and that of the squid face fellow. There's some unfortunate stuff with her faces. Oh, sibling rivalry. I used to have 11 sisters, do you know? 11 sisters. Can you imagine? No, one is quite enough. I don't need a palindrome on top of it. No, indeed. So, I understand, you know, to get ahead, one must make sacrifices, as I did with my 11 sisters. Mm. To get ahead in my case, I only need to kill one person. No sacrifice needed. Oh, don't you need to kill her yourself if you find that sort of thing unpleasant? I very rarely get my hands bloody myself. That's what people are for. Yes. People and their people. So, I think we're done. If you wanted to think on that, talk it over with your companions who you can trust not to give the game away, or even do, doesn't matter. At the very least, you can be open about the sale of the tavern. Oh, I'll have to. I'll have to get all their signatures and everything. But uh, as far as the head thing, yes, of course I'll tell them. You know, I'm sure they'll agree with me. Very good. She smiles. I will pick up an apple and uh, take a saucy bite. She says, oh, I'm sorry, we are done. Oh, yes, yes, I was <laughs> taking some fruit to go. Road apple. She, you take a road apple. She says, um, and the wine, it's not, not really, man. It is only slightly poisoned. But, okay. fr- but frankly, a small reagent within it, and, uh, well, it'll be good to taste alone. Thank you. Most generous. I thought you have reached an accord. I think so. Magnificent. And then, you know, closes the carriage door. Uh, but the, the, the horse, the, sorry, the driver, the her tiefling manservant, gets off the gets off the carriage and walks around, just holds the door for you to get out, basically, mm. and then you, I, I assume you do. Yes. And he gives you a very polite little bow and then closes the door and then... Um, I thought you were giving me a lift back to Trollskull Manor. The situation has changed slightly. You're much more amicable than we thought you might be. So you're going to make me walk because I was friendly. This is an awful world. This is the worst thing that's happened to anyone ever. He leans forward and says, Better than the alternative, friend. Is it though? Is it though? Give you a disgruntled expression and gets back up on the carriage. And uh, with Hurst getting off, I imagine, unless you want to petulantly stay up there. No, no, no. Hurst Hurst gets down. Hurst wants to stink our granny death before we go. Okay, no, so so she... There's the brief moment where your eyes meet before she closes the door. She's she's a necromancer. Or she's in league with a necromancer. It's probably worse. Yeah. She is against the laws of nature. Yeah. And there's the briefest of moments when she, before she closes the door, that she looks at you, sips her tea and gives you a little smile. And then clunk. Hurst door. doesn't smile. Carriage. Give her the old orc eye. Sorry, half orc eye. Half orc eye. I suppose you heard all of that? Yes. If nothing else, I've prevaricated for time. We can try and search for a solution in the meantime. Did... I don't know about fancy noble doublespeak. Does she know about the other investors in the tavern outside of our group? I don't think she cares. But I'm not willing to give her the tavern. We'll find her a head, and then we'll 
prevaricate and lie and somehow solve this problem. What she's if, not getting it. She's too what interested. If, what, what if we just gave her her own head? Yes, I mean, that's the That's probably solution. a more poetic way of putting it. Yes. Like. No, I got the message. It was good. It was good. I, uh, I think that's probably the ultimate solution if we can't find up some other one, but I think it's, she's a little bit out of league at the moment. But come the end of spring, who knows, maybe we'll find like a golden dragon statue that turns into a real dragon that's also golden and it solves our problems. You can't turn into a dragon inside the city. Can't you? No, there's spells. Wow, that's, how often does that come up? More often than you think. More <laughs> 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 just like first knowing that, like knows nothing about society. It's just like that. Can't be a dragon in the city. Oh my god! Everybody knows this. Have you tried? Aegon's <laughs> Ward. There are no dragons within Waterdeep unless they are particularly granted rite of passage and only ever temporarily, even for good dragons, by the staff of Aegon. The founder of the War Deep City. Mm. I must have been drunk that day in class. I have no better that. No, your, your character would be very aware of No, that. no, I suppose, yes. Yeah. So it's a magical ward. It means no dragon or, or any creature of the dragon type can actually get into the city. Dragonborn? The, past the ward. Dragonborn are different, so that no. because they're not the dragon. Mm. Type, right? Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be the same way that, like, warding a temple against the infernal would still allow tieflings. Yeah, or apes would allow humans in, or whatever. Yeah, Exa- yeah. exactly so. Oh, yeah, that's good to know. But you know, the, the point being, maybe we'll be able to pull a pull a little miracle out of a hat by then. But for now, I've bought some time. How far yeah. away are we from Trollskull? Not, not very far. In about ten minutes or so. Okay, we walk. <laughs> I will tell the other. If, if, if we were much further away, I would have offered to uh, turn into all keep... and give him a lift. But no, we're let always... me tell Jez first, and yes. then we'll tell the others. We, we now cut back to Troll Skull Manor with Izzy and Jess. You have returned from your magical adventure on the docks. When you get back, you can see that Nat is still having a sparring match with Agatha Brightmantle before, uh, you know, in the entirety of Sunset has come and she has to go back. They've become very, very good friends. And you can also see little Jenks is doing what Hurst taught him about druid stuff and is out there in the garden uh, with them. He's currently playing with his pet winged black snake. Oh and uh, the snake That's loves so him, by the way. This Aww. is like, this is his snake now. <laughs> and I told him, I told him he's responsible for it. It is. And you also notice something else, uh, Hurst, is that he has such an affinity for animals and such that you really think that if he wanted to do the training, he, he could actually become a druid. Like, all kidding aside, not, not everyone can do that. Druids are very, very special, as, even as compared to, say, clerics and wizards and sorcerers. Uh, but you... you mm. Genuinely think that given proper aptitude uh, and proper training, he could in fact become a druid. Could be a He's druid of the moon, or perhaps a shepherd circle druid. Yeah, which I decided. But they, they use totem animals. Yes. I decided my my Hurst's father is mm-hmm. a shepherd circle druid, Good, and yeah. his mother is a moon. Uh, no, not a moon, land. Land oh. strider. Cool. The, the terrain-based one. Yeah, well, yeah. he's just like the spellcasters, essentially. That's cool. oh, oh. There's actually a third. There's another subtype which is like they're linked to certain types of terrain it's yeah. really interesting yeah. alright cool, cool cool so they're all out in the garden it's dark now of course the sun has set and the fog has rolled in through the rain Jez and Izzy you are currently having a quiet drink in the bar there's only a few patrons in here right now when all of a sudden the front door opens and two very familiar faces to Jez enter Jez might be having a quiet drink but what having a quiet drink looks for her currently is she is on the floor with her back against the floor and her legs up in the air and there is a small table that she is twirling around on her feet yes. like the gymnasts that's great and she's going <laughs> so a quiet drink then Izzy is like got, got a book open in their lap yeah. and just they were studying but 
At this point, this table, this table's spinning. He's just like, yeah! Yes! <laughs> the cheeks. Yes! <laughs> uh, so, what might sober you up as your parents walk in? Ooh. Ooh. So, your parents walk into Troll Skull. So, now to explain, uh, the Lock Twins' parents, as discussed by them uh, in between games, uh, their mother is a tall, beautiful elf played by Eva Green. She is a, she's a moon elf, uh. and so has long jet black hair, which right now is done up in a very fancy sort of ballroom style. And she has a very, very fancy, very gothy sort of ballroom dress on. They are dressed up to go out. Even your father is uh, typically a very rough around the edges sort of fellow. He's a ruggedly handsome fellow with a little bit of a five o'clock shadow and brown hair. And he, at the present time, is just, dre- just dressed in a really well-made and well-tailored, relatively simple though, black and brown suit, you know, with a coat and he's even sporting a cane and some gloves. They wander on in and look over at you with some surprise. Who's he played by? That's right. Uh, James Purefoy is the actor that plays him. From Rome and um, Altered Carbon. Indeed, yeah. yeah. So, ruggedly handsome human fellow. So they walk in arm in arm and look around in some wonder at the tavern, because this is the first time they've seen the tavern. And so they look around in wonder and give you a grin and wander over to your corner at the present time. (laughs) Jez falters and is definitely smacked in the face by the same Fantastic. Does she keep <laughs> humming with the... T- no, no, no. Well, she knows. So the table kind of, it smacks her in the face and then breaks oh, off no. a leg or two. And then she just kind of like takes a cloak from a nearby chair and just like throws it over it. <laughs> and then just kind of goes <laughs> over to, to mum and dad. And he says... Hi. Hello, my love, says her, says he, as he charges in forward to give you a big bear hug. Hi, this was, uh, 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 what are you doing here? Oh. Did uh, we, I need have to check my calendar, I don't believe we had scheduled a catch-up. <laughs> no, we haven't, but uh, surprise, surprise, uh, hi, yeah. look at this, eh? Sorry, this place isn't as, as clean as it normally is. Are you joking? This is the best tavern I've been in all day. Oh. Thanks, Dad. That's, that's, I mean, oh. and that's not even top five. I mean, all day. Look at this. He says, Look, this is amazing. Now, I have to, I have to see it. I have to see it. Is it true? Oh, we'll give you a tour. Wait, is what true? The ghosts. Oh, yeah. The fucking He's ghost right. bartender. You got a ghost bartender. You can, okay, so you, you might as like, Darling, I, I think we need to uh, perhaps press on with the business first of all. Hello, hello, sweetie. She says, leaning forward, giving a little kiss on both cheeks and says, um, listen, I'm terribly sorry to come in. We just had to see the place and uh, drop off a uh, <clears throat> delivery for you. She says, giving a smile. Oh, right. Okay. Good news. Your grandmother's come to visit and we are far too busy. <laughs> to take care of her at the house. We're leaving town for a few days after doing a little bits of business here. Oh, that's here. convenient. You're leaving yeah. town for a few days as Granny comes to visit. Well, we're going to the opera first. Yes, right. And then, uh, you know, Grandmother Locke, you, you haven't seen her in how long has it been now? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure it was only recent, though. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. But you know what? She's always happy to see you. You're always happy to see her. You've got a big tavern that clearly has I a room somewhere. no... I, it's settled then. <laughs> She's just your Wait, no, please. We so like you. You understand what our jobs are, right? Like yes. this is quite. Uh, we've got a lot going on, and like it's dusty. It's really dusty, and I. I know she sometimes has allergies, and I'm a little bit concerned for Grant. Maybe we can put her in. Um, Another tavern, um, nice room, you know, another tavern more suited for older patrons and stuff. Your mother just gives her that imperious stare that she only whips out on rare occasions mm. and says, so we're happy to have her. Excellent, it's decided then. Izzy's just, just sliding off the stool and 
gently closing the book as they gently edge toward the bar. <laughs> Jess is on. Oh, Jess is on her own. <laughs> just, 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 just. You're doing the essentially the equivalent of Homer Simpson backing into. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. it. Uh, I, uh, all right, Mum. Fine. How long is she staying for? Oh, it shouldn't be more than a couple of ten days at the most. Maybe a month, at the very, very most. Well, we'll see what we can do. But, you know, if she doesn't like it here, we can sort something else out for her, you know? Oh. We'll see how she goes. She, you know, your mother looks around and says, Honestly, darling, this place is really well decorated. Oh. Were you in charge of any of it? Mm. Or was your brother the stylist of the interior? Oh. Uh, I'm just going to let that one go, Mum. <laughs> well, have fun at the opera. From behind, from behind you hear a squeal. And this lovely old woman in a nice little dress, uh, sort of short and plump, curly gray hair. Oh my god. Um, She has a large leather satchel and a very, very large, sort of Renaissance era, what's the word? Have a sack? The equivalent of a suitcase before they had suitcases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of a very large leather satchel. Just kind of shuffles in (gasps) and says, Oh, Jess, hello there. Oh, look at you. Walks over, just pinch, pinches your cheeks, and then gives you oh. gives you a little slightly pointed ears, uh, a little a little pat. Oh yes, no, remember that we, we had many conversations about pat. I don't like that, none. Oh, is that how we came down on that one? I thought, <laughs> yeah, I thought you liked the ear fondling. No, that's okay. <laughs> nice to see you, Nan. What's been um. What's been happening? Oh, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But look at this. Look at how wonderful this place looks. Now, you're taking care of yourself. You're polishing your thieves' tools. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I got the last set you sent me. They're, they're in, in great condition. She she raises an eyebrow and says, Rusty thieves' tools help nobody but the city guards. Gran, yeah, Gran, I know. Thank you. Uh, I have been, you you're... know, looking after my own thieves' tools for a while now. I've got the hang of it, you know. Oh, of course you have, dear. I'll just have a quick look at them, though, while I'm here. Where are they? Uh, <laughs> all right. And she, 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 she actually ignores you and just starts wandering behind the bar and then she just gets like, just a little bit of brandy before bed. Helps me sleep. Yeah, all right, go for it. Your mother says, she has allowed one single snifter of brandy and no more. You know I can't control that woman. This is very true. <laughs> Your parents are kind of doing the uh, back away to the door thing. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately they bump into Hurst and Nick on the way in <laughs> and so at that point uh, you two return Hurst and Hurst does not move for them just like, they bump into him and Hurst just stares at them so uh, brother <laughs> Granny has come to stay with us for oh the light <laughs> how long will she stay with us oh, I say with my face fixed in a firmly erectus <laughs> oh, look, and she's already found her way behind the bar. <laughs> sorry, you said, sorry. Grandma, you must have been here all of 30 seconds. <laughs> She's I'll so, go over and give her a hug. She, so as you do, you see that she's she, life has manifested next to her and is sitting there in his transparent, you know, bluish state, looking at her with just. I mean, he often whips out the incredulous raised eyebrow, but it is working overtime today, and to the point where because because of the fact that she has actually taken one of the large wooden spoons from the bar and is just kind of poking it through him. <laughs> oh look at this! You've got a ghost. We, yes, we told you about the ghost. Mother, poke, poke, poke. I kind of make eye contact with life, and I'm just like, don't even bother, mate. She's in charge. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> she'd be dead in a ghost right now. <laughs> your mother leans forward and much more affectionately to yourself. Yeah. Nick uh, gives you gives you a big hug and a kiss yes. on the cheek and says, "I'm so sorry, darling. It was either here or the watch house." 
The what? <laughs> she, she turns. Those poor watchmen have enough on their hands. Yeah. Your, your father turns to you and leans in and says, "And hey, we did argue about that." <laughs> I go for a slightly more awkward handshake with him. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. sort of like a. Well, <laughs> well it was very much a case growing up where you spent a lot more time with her, and you and Jay spent a lot more time with him. Hence our differing accents. In, it, indeed. Well, not accents, uh, uh, ways of speech um, yeah, yeah. and mannerisms. So, with that, they turn and they say. Uh, excuse me, we're off to uh, rob an opera. I mean, go to the opera. Yeah, <laughs> With that, they, they nod and, and walk out. Hurst just looks at you and says, nice people. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Mm. Uh, I will go to give Granny a, uh, a hug. I'll bend down. <laughs> nice. There's a, deli- a delightful moment as your parents are leaving as there's a, ra- a rather large puddle at the end of the at the end of the um, at the end of the stairs lead out into the street, and, and your your mother just sort of stops at the edge of the puzzle and just without even really looking like she uh, needs to ask or expect anything, your father just pulls forward a, a cloak and puts it down on said puddle for Aww. her to walk across. He's much nicer as his cloak, but anyway. <laughs> there's a very startled man next to the next to the door who um, is going to be a bit soaking wet when he goes to go home. With that. Uh, continue, please. Grandma, how are you? Oh, hello, love. Now, I can't remember. Are you the one what just talks like a fop and doesn't have thieves' tools, or do you also have thieves' tools? I also have thieves' tools, Grandma. You gave them to me several oh. years in a row. Oh, good, Despite good. my protestations. Oh, good, good, good. So I'll just go and make sure that they're all nice and polished. That's a good idea. They're up in Jez's room. Let's show, no, let's show <sighs> Granny to her room. Maybe the one with the lock on it. <laughs> <laughs> No, that won't stop her. <laughs> Are you so- <laughs> We want to give her some locks to practice on, you know. Maybe on the door. That's <laughs> not us. <laughs> um, so with that, Agatha, Brightmantle, and Nat come out, you know, drenched in rain and sweat, but like, you know, arms around each other, just kind of like <laughs> having fun after a jolly good sparring session. Uh, Jenks comes in afterwards, and he ha- he has a little hand of dirt with a little flower in it, and he's like, look, look, Hus, I made a, I made a flower grow. Well, I didn't make it, I didn't make it grow, but I made it grow a bit bigger. Uh, Hus will look at the price and just be like, it's good work. You got a real talent for this kid. He grins and just looks absolutely delighted and hugs your leg. Okay. <laughs> just like shake him off, like <laughs> just keeps just... walking, like it doesn't yeah. have Please. To... I mean, you could definitely do that. You're a uh, seven foot half walk. <laughs> so, Jay, uh, so Agatha Brightmantle and uh, Nat have a final big embrace before they leave, and uh, yeah, Agatha just gives you a final thank you and says, oh, "Thanks again so much. I'll be, I'll be using this." She says, holding up your potion of invisibility. Yeah. Oh, to get back. Uh, so, oh, so you're um, your guardian. Might be coming to pick you up. No, he said to go back to the temple before nightfall. I'm a little bit late, but that's okay. Um, so Agatha the Bright Mantle is the paladin who ran away. Yes. Who she shacked up with? I may have missed this part. She's, no, she, she is bound to the temple. Yes. The temple of, so the Holy Hands. That's house. right. And her dad's like the guy who went there. Who's she hanging yeah. out with? Well, she has a, an arrogant uh, racist. racist paladin. Uh, male paladin. Yes, I remember human, him. Who Weapon is... Weapon cock, I think I described him as. You, yes. you did, yes. Very good. But who's she with right now? Oh, with Nat, your orphan uh, friend. The, the one that is, is deaf. And has right, sorry, that was the bit I missed. That right she, she, was, she was just tr- uh, teaching her how to sword fight a little bit. Right. Because Nat, Nat is now sporting a symbol of Time War. She's uh, uh, subscribed to being a, a, a devotee of the goddess of luck. And she asked when she found out what a paladin was, when she first met Agatha, mm-hmm. like, does Timora have paladins? And Lyle was like, oh, no. Because <laughs> he doesn't like, yeah. like the idea. But, but 
Time War does have paladins. Right. Sorry, I missed this part. So I just wanted yeah, to fill yeah. in that particular gap. This was last time. Yeah. Oh no. Yes. Exactly. A- absolutely. So with that, then they uh, Nat just sort of go, just sort of grabs Jenks and sort of you know, time, come on, off we go. Like seeing, seeing you're uncomfortable with, with the leg hug and um, uh, just sort of pulls him off and you know just signs to you. Thanks. See you tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, first delivery, f- f- first income from the potion deliveries will be coming in tomorrow. She signs. Awesome. Uh, and then Jenks says. Oh, 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 and the potions. Oh, yeah, that's right. And so she reaches in her little travel satchel and pulls out uh, four potions. Ooh, Sorry, I just, so uh, what's her name? Agatha is going to be using uh, the potion to get. And this is still within the week that she's been prophesied to die by the end of? Yes. Oh, God, Hurst is paranoid. Hurst is paranoid. I'm not sure that's really being paranoid, actually. Yeah. We're just healthy concerns. Um, all right, so Hurst is going to offer to give her a lift. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. so you, we'll say you go out and you hail a carriage together. No, no, no. No, he's no, 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 no. Yeah, no, no. He's going to turn into a war horse. And- yeah. <laughs> so you take her back to the temple safely. You can see that her, 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 they've given her a little bit of leeway. Clearly, yeah. clearly, weapons grade cock is the only one that's uh, overly stringent about yeah. her curfew. But they're all very happy to have her back. Type thing. It's like, hey, back, back to the temple, back to the temple. So all the priests and clerics, all various states, all get her inside and whatever. I um, just, I don't, I don't want that dude another uh, to give that dude another yeah. reason to just. Is that like, is that a horse? No, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> if he was out there, I would kick him in the head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is fair. Probably off, uh, I don't know, bothering, bothering victimizing some, some minority somewhere. Victim, right? Victimizing some minority somewhere. So with that, you, you you give her a nice escort back, and she's fine. Cuts back to you all in the uh, in the in the tavern there. Nat says, "Oh yes." Yeah. So Nat gives you four potions mm-hmm. and says, and she signs to you. Oh, these are from Fala. These are her mishap potions. She oh. says, trying to sign that appropriate word for you know I, wacky or mishappy potions. I, I read the um, I yeah, read the little labels on each of them. Yeah. Um, and hit me with it. Okay, so there is one, so two potions of uh, healing, one potion of cure disease, and one potion of uh, essentially cat's grace or dexterity. And then she says, she, she gives you another one. And this one is actually wrapped up in what looks like red, red paper mm. and tied up with string mm. and says, and she signs to you, she also gave us this one, which was an extra, extra, extra failed potion. <laughs> essentially, she says, use this if you want, you agree to take all of her failed potions. Originally, it was an attempt at mixing two different potions, but frankly now its properties will likely have nothing to do with what those two original potions are. It's random. It is the most random. Mmm. That's Granny! <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, dear. She comes, she comes downstairs. Oh no, I'm definitely not going to do that, but okay. I was thinking about it. You were thinking about it. Um, are you comfortable yeah. in your room, Granny? Oh, very nice, very nice. So, so you walk upstairs mm-hmm. and you see that she's found the thieves' room. Mm-hmm. She's just made her way in there somehow. Great. Pick the lock Make yourself in. at home. Mm-hmm. And she's she's currently walking through the, the locked on the doors. Well, some of these could be a bit more difficult. Need your training. Need to keep the edges sharp. And you realise that she's just like unlocking them with barely looking at you, yeah. holding both the both the picks like chopsticks and she's amazing. That's yeah. awesome. Oh, Izzy, you finally crawled out from where you were avoiding us before. I was Izzy, this is Granny! <laughs> oh hello! How have we got chubby cheeks then? Just now, grandmother, Hi. she's not a small child. She's in fact, I don't know, what a pixie or something. <laughs> Excuse me, I know, I know a halfling when I see one. Ah, uh, not quite. Evidently, you don't. <laughs> Your feet are very small and hairless. That's fine. Granny, Izzy um, is a gnome. They are uh, <laughs> like halflings, but just a bit. A bit cooler, in my opinion. <laughs> you met our other one, you'd see why. She puts a hand on, on your shoulder and says, Oh dear, gnomes are made up. Don't oh my God. 
genuinely, I was about to make a joke about my conspiracy theory relatives at Christmas. Don't be silly. I'm trying to determine whether or not this is racist. <laughs> She's never anything against them. No, she's just thinks that they're real. I'm not denying someone exists. Like, <laughs> fall into the category of racism. So, right. she, she's not racist, but she doesn't think gnomes exist. That's you know, that kind of thing. Like a, wow. This isn't a racist thing. Oh Christ, here we go. I think this might be an old person foible that we just overlook. <laughs> All right, Hurst is just leaving. I'm like, no, I don't. Just, oh, just wait till she thinks what you are. <laughs> we now have we now have six days of downtime, really briefly. To, uh-huh. keep, to keep things rocking along, what do each of you do in your downtime? You will we'll make a finance roll, of course, but uh, Jess? So in Jess's downtime, she discovers there is an underground rave scene. <laughs> What's interesting about the rave scene, apart from all of the drugs, <laughs> is that they uh, make use of some very interesting old tunnels. Uh, so old thieves tunnels and layers and layers and layers of them some are, are very like well known and well traveled and the others are you know maybe something that people haven't used for a while so she kind of spends a lot of time traveling through them and it kind of comes across a few very old traps um, and bits and pieces down there and kind of uses that as a bit of an excuse to I don't know just practice this particular art oh I see because you're now level four and you've taken the dungeon delver feet. Exactly right. Perfect explanation. And Sometimes you- I have to escort Granny back up to <laughs> <laughs> if she decides to sneak along and, and follow me. Oh, that's amazing. Um, she's had quite a few run-ins at the um, at the rave scene. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's great. That's great. I love it. And Nick? In similar vein, I'll spend my time, aside from just maintaining general sort of uh, contacts and, you know, talking to people around the taverns and mm-hmm. everything, practicing my... Yeah. So my insight's gone up uh, due to the boon, and that's mostly just due to spending a lot of time on the floor of the tavern. Great. No, not literally. Sure. Maybe positive. Maybe half and half on the literal <laughs> floor. Half in the chair. But basically just learning to read people all that much better. Mm-hmm. We're sort of out of an interrogation scenario, being able to just look for, you know, people telling lies and all the rest of it. That's yeah, so awesome. gone up a bit. But I also spent a a lot of time um, practicing my skills and developing a almost uncanny uh, sense, sixth sense and edge for detecting, you know, when, when the blade's about to slip or the flat edge, you know, there's little unlucky uh-huh. things that happen. Because you've taken the lucky The lucky thing. Yeah. That and Grandma knitted me a new scarf, oh, which good. she claims will bring me good luck. So it's, it's one of those two. And, yeah, you're uh, not sure when. You... And I want to take the scarf off at the wrong moment to find out it was, in fact, actually the scarf. It I need to have me be shot by itchy, it. Though. It is super itchy, but yeah, I'm definitely doing better with it on. Oh, that's great. And somewhat superstitiously, I'm now like, is this me or is it actually the scarf? I mean. That's amazing. Okay, and Izzy. Okay, so it's been a combination of a few different things. Mm-hmm. So it's been interspersed with still trying to make friends with that raven that lives in the tower. Okay, well, let's see how you go. Yes. Give, me, give me another charisma roll. All right, all right. Alrighty, so that would be an 18. Great. So the raven yes. can speak, <gasps> but remembers very little of its past. It ex- uh-huh. He, he expresses to you that all he remembers is that many, many years ago, far longer ago than ravens should live, he was a child when this was an orphanage, and he ran afoul of a terrible monster, a, a green-skinned witch woman, which matches up, of course, with you found out that the name of the hag that used to lair here was called Green Maggie. Ah. And he mentioned that she cursed him and turned him into a raven. And... Aww. 
uh, as far as he knows, he, he, he believes by this point that he's largely immortal. He hasn't aged, but he's as stuck as a raven. Wow. And, and stuck to only remember bad things. Like he remembers the, oh. the grisly scene that he walked in on to, to find her at, her at her terrible and unspeakable work. He remembers the pain of being turned into a bird, mm -hmm. which was about as painful as it could be. You know, magically being crushed mm. and twisted. And uh, he remembers after being turned into a bird, and apparently he doesn't need to eat or drink, and so was kept in a hole in the wall as a oh. bird for an extended period of time. And now uh, he really he's just too afraid to leave the place. Like, he's uh, effectively, he is bound here and doesn't want to leave. He doesn't know what would happen if he were to leave. He's mm. agoraphobic almost. Yes, very much so. That's really sad. Yes. Uh, he says that he wants to tell life that he knows whom it was that murdered him, you yeah. know, that, that, that pushed the barrel on top mm. of him mm. at the behest of the, of the Green Witch, but he can't remember the person's face whenever he goes to try to remember it. He remembers the scene perfectly. Life went downstairs, guy snuck in after him, pulled barrel down on top of him, crushed his skull, but he basically can't recall who it was. The face is always a blank slate in his memory. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So I, so I'm kind of just gently stroking Stroking it. You're probably small enough that you could give it an actual hug. Can I? Yeah, it's a, it's a big raven. It's a ravenless size. Oh my it's god! About, it's about, uh, I did not realize it was that large. No, it, it's about it's, it's close to two feet tall, so you can definitely give it a little hug. Big, I mean, he's he's yeah. fine. He you know he remember, all he remembers when he, he you know he was a small boy and was turned into a raven, and now he doesn't need to eat. But he's happy to stay here for now. Aww. So basically, I'm, yeah, Izzy's just like, oh, well, for as long as you'll have me in your tower, I will be here. Thank you. Excellent. Smash um, cut to the other thing I've been doing. Which is? <laughs> so I've also been expanding my linguistic skill. Oh my. Yes. Yes. Basically, uh, I've been hanging out with Lyle. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And he's, you know, we, we've been chatting and he's let me know that halflings have another language. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, can I learn this? Wow. And he's great. agreed. And Good. we've just been kind of just trying to figure this out. I've also been going to the oh what is that what is that town again the awning portal the awning portal the yeah. awning portal and i've been kind of at the edge of the portal kind of listening listening and listening and listening and then kind of yelling down what does that mean though <laughs> that's great that's great oh it means that okay cool <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome i love it that's yes. so cool so i think that is, has been the sum total of what is he's been up to it's a good round of activities. And Hurst? Yes. Uh, Hurst, uh, in mechanical sense, Hurst uh, has taken the observant phase and can turn into different animals, uh, which I am going to interpret as Hurst has spent some time buying. Oh, my. Ooh. So he's, he's been watching. He's been turning into various uh, assorted, you know, rodents, insects, uh, all sorts of different stuff, dogs, cats, and spying on the Xanathar and the Zents, and uh, not Granny Death herself, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but her associates. Sure. Pe pe people yeah. that have been seen to be associated with her. Okay, because, okay. Uh, he doesn't think, he, he suspects that she might have ways of detecting that, and he doesn't want to go into the actual lair. Yeah, that makes sense. So he's been, I don't necessarily think he's in the space of a week, especially. You know, I think it takes some time to find people and to stumble across the right thing. So I don't sure. know if he's necessarily 
necessarily even found anything interesting, but he's it's been good uh, learning experience for him. Okay. To be following people around and watching them, and as I said, he's learned to read uh, lips because animals hearing are all different, especially in like spider form and, and stuff like that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. All yeah. right, I love it. Good times. So your six days of downtime go relatively uneventfully until eventually it gets to what would be the very last week of Fleet's Week, which is this amazing nautical ceremony, nautical festival, I should say, that has been earning you quite a bit of money in the tavern. Your opening week was amazing, and so your, your business has been thriving ever since. You've had some people come and go. You have not seen a lot of Nevercot recently, but otherwise you've seen Yagra and mm. others, but, you know, it's only been six days or so, so yeah. these various people, various people are, are busy. They have lives outside of us, I guess. Your two mm-hmm. doppelgangers uh, acclimatize, oh, yes. acclimatize yes. perfectly and take on uh, and take on different personas to work in the tavern. So they're no longer uh, Bonnie and what's their face? No, yeah. Bonnie Bonnie keeps the name okay. uh, because she likes the name. and the, Yeah, exactly right. And Davden chooses to just change her name to Davna. Davna. And I, I've forgotten this, but this is my previous plan. I wanted to actually strike up a relationship with her. Okay, with Davna. So Davna is acclimatizing to essentially being in effectively civilized society. And so... Well, I'm quite civilized. You, you are. And so while they don't... They're, they're somewhat alien in their countenance because of the fact that they are doppelgangers. They, they can, uh, of course, enjoy, you know, physical sex and so forth if they, if they change into... Well, let's start there and see if we, see if yeah. we can develop a relationship out, so out of that. Because they, when they turn into a biological form, it isn't, it isn't uh, an illusion. illusion. It is it's physical. So, and that's actually how they reproduce. They, they turn into a male and they, they can't be impregnated, but they impregnate other females yeah, yeah. of various humanoids and so forth. Perfect. That's, that's how doppelgangers... No risk of unwanted pregnancy. Then. ...essentially re- reproduce. So, yeah, they... I mean, let's give, give me a charisma check to see whether or not they are amicable to... Uh, we'll start to, physically, and then... Because for them, I think the harder part would probably be making an emotional investment, I imagine. That like, very be, easy for them to, like... Just, well, yeah, it depends uh, on whether you just want to have, you know, sort of casual affair with them, or whether you prefer let's to... Let's start uh, with that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so I'm gonna use uh, lucky to re-roll that. <laughs> wow! I'm gonna use lucky to help me get lucky. That's better. Um, that is a uh, a muscular twenty-five. All right. Sorry, uh, I should say a, a, a pleasurable twenty-five. Very well then. So we'll we'll say that you know they are. Uh, they have some small affection for d- me. Down to uh, down to engage in a few casual affairs and so forth, but um, for the most part, they're just happy to be you know working in the tavern still, yeah. and they're all a little paranoid and laying low. Well, I I genuinely let her know that um, yeah. if she does want anything or something is not working out, let me know. And I'll fix it. Absolutely. In a very genuine sense. Like, seriously, you should be happy here. And if something this or that, you've got any ideas about what we come to me and I will see that it's done. We'll sort it out. Absolutely. All right, then. It is on the morning of the final day of Fleet's Week that we end our downtime and begin. It starts off like any other lazy spring morning. You're all up relatively early just to prepare the tavern in a day that you had imagined was actually going to be one of the last that you were still training and relaxing before getting together and agreeing to take on more work. Outside, it is lightly drizzling. It's just overcast and there's no wind at the present time. That tends to come around more the middle of the day. The fog that pervades Waterdeep in the mornings and the evenings of spring is definitely very very thick this morning it's like old london town it's very hard to see too far out front but you are all in the tavern 
going about your daily tasks. Maybe some of you are sleeping in. Maybe some of you are in the tavern downstairs, etc. Who knows? Maybe doing both. Sleeping in in the tavern downstairs. Maybe you are. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> On the floor of the tavern. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you do not have many customers. It was a pretty big night last night. So you have some that are still passed out, which you haven't mm. bothered to remove. There is still the, the beautiful smells of your kitchen. Uh, Davnan is an amazing cook and has taken to the seafood thing really well because Ooh. there's plenty of seafood in the underdark. So that's something that she can jump in on. Davna. Definitely. Yeah, I'm so sorry, Dav. You're going to get it killed. That's very true. And so it is during this beautiful, calm, and exceedingly peaceful morning that everything goes to shit. Oh, Christ. Oh, no. Outside, just half a building from your front door, by approximation, you think it to be somewhere between the Tabitha the Well-To-Do Toddler's Residence and the Tiger's Eye Private Investigator Establishment. Mm-hmm. Mm. All of a sudden shattering the peace of the morning you hear an enormous ungodly sound it is like a whooshing roar combined with an explosion the smell straight away of acrid smoke and preceded immediately by the terrified anguished screaming of dozens of people from where the sound comes from with your perception in particular Mm -hmm. you know for a fact that it would be pretty much right in the middle of where a bunch of the marketplaces are set up. Oh. You know, where Short and Sweet often give their Mm -hmm. street performances, right in front there with the bakery and the stalls and the very sort of temporary shops set up. Can Izzy please give me an arcana check? Excellent. Can do. This sounds like maybe an alchemical explosion or something? We will. will Oh, that's what she's right on. Give me a moment. I just remembered I got to... I will never get that roll again. Okay. Uh, That is a... 22. Okay, so you know for a fact that it is mostly actually the sound of something that is quite terrifying when you really see it in real yeah. life, which is a fireball. You know that it's a little bit more than that, though. It was a potent fireball, for a start. Not your rudimentary, everyday, ho-hum, first time you can ever cast a fireball. Yeah. This and is also, the, This is the kind of fireball where you point and things die. Exactly so. And also, there's another additional explosion following it. Likely, due to the fact that you know that there is a bakery right near where that was. So it may have set off some of the barrels of flour, either or sacks of flour, either internally or externally. And so, although you can't see it yet, you imagine the windows shake. Yeah. It's like something out of a war movie, right? The windows mm. shake. At this point, it'd be the part of the movie where, I guess, as do you stay safely inside or do you burst out to investigate and start making your way there? What do you do? Uh, Hurst goes out to investigate. I will... I mean, now that you're, like, at the present time, I must say that none of you are really prepped for adventure. No, no, like no. You, you, you had at least four more days of downtime planned before you jumped back. No, Hurst is probably shirtless. You wake up next to Yagra. What the fuck was that? Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, she has to get she has to get changed. Yeah, she she does. Yeah, like right. Hurst basically is just out the window and there's off takes off. Sprinting. Okay. True to my word, I will have been on the floor of the bar, uh-huh. passed out, daver in one arm, reaching weekly for the bottle of Elvilquist in the other arm before I passed out. <laughs> so I'll be up, I'm in my pants, my shirt's like I've got the white puffery pirate shirt, I'm done, I'll grab the crossbow from wherever I threw it last night during a drunken boast, okay. and run outside. Okay, great. So I don't even need this thing to play. <laughs> wah, wah. So first, you, you scramble down from the, belt, from the roof above, the window above, you burst out the front door. Uh, Izzy and Jules, I am going to go to the top of the tower. I'm going to see what's happening. Oh, okay. So you get a bird's eye view. Great stuff. 
Okay, so you, you start to scramble. Well, I mean, that's your bedroom. So we'll just yeah, say yeah, you yeah. just look out the window, basically, and see what you can see. Yeah. Jess. I check on Granny for two reasons. One, I want to make sure she's okay. <laughs> two, I want to make really? sure she's there and not the cause of this. Uh, is she in her room? She is snoring in her room. Yes. Okay, yes. Didn't even wake her up. Yep, cool. Half a bottle of brandy next to her. <laughs> Beautiful. And the I... other two empty bottles. <laughs> <laughs> I take the half empty bottle of brandy with me. Uh, and then I make my way outside as well. Okay, so you all rush outside. At this point in the movie, to be like in those war movies where there's that high-pitched... They just still people uh, silently walking around, stumbling around, silent. trying to pick up their arms. So you get, you get to the scene of the devastation, and if anything, it is even worse than you feared and pictured. First of all, there is close to two dozen people dead, <gasps> including... From what you can see, and bear in mind, this is through the fog. This is through yeah. the haze, a little bit of rain peltering down and pitter pattering and so forth. People are screaming. Now, luckily, it does seem to be that not many people are terribly hurt. There's a couple of people that look hurt and disheveled. You know, faces covered with soot, just sort of staring in horror at the scene. But it's frankly a case of either you were caught in this blast and you are gone, or yeah. you were outside the blast, and so therefore okay. outside well, of that. So physically okay, emotionally. Physically, I imagine again. So short and sweet, all four of them are charred oh. corpses. Oh. You only recognize them from their small skeletal forms that oh. are blackened and up on the pedestal. The beautiful older woman that used to give the kids uh, baked goods every morning is decimated, as are several of her customers you don't recognize. <laughs> the center of, of everything is perhaps the most, uh, as you make your way there, right, mm. as you stumble down and go towards, you can see a sight that wrenches your heart in two. You see the dead prone body of Agatha Brightmantle. <gasps> no! You recognize her armor as she is currently on something. You realize that she has effectively thrown herself down onto something which is moving and kind of kicking and oh, shuffling oh. underneath her. But in so doing, she has killed herself. Do you, I mean, so, you, okay, the couple of things you can rush to. First, yeah. first of all, there's that. Second of all, the nearest business that was untouched at least is the tiger's eye and you notice that vincent trench if you remember middle-aged handsome east asian gentleman in a trench coat essentially dressed like the fantasy equivalent of a film noir detective you know complete long pipe and uh you know leather slightly fantasy looking fedora just kind of like obviously opens up and sits there staring at it with perhaps more of a calculated eye than anybody else does you see a noble woman that looks very out of place and she is essentially sitting down on a barrel and her face is covered in soot you see that she's got a little bit of shrapnel in her arm but she's not caring about that she's staring up uh, at an alleyway across and just looks like in, she's in, she's in utter shock. Oh. She's probably in her, late, her early 60s and she's dressed like an actual noble. Like She's very out of place here indeed. No nobles and their servants here. And But she's just like... <sighs> and then you can see that one of the... Uh, oh, you, you, sorry. What you also see is the your two uh, blacksmith uh, friends, mm. Stephen Steele, mm. RV, and Embrick, are currently... So, first of all, Embrick is just sort of sitting there weeping openly... Whereas Arvi has just kind of like got his huge head on his shoulder and is just, just holding him very tightly while he, with his other hand, grabs hold of the coats of two of the kids. Mm. So uh, Jenks and Squidly are mm. uh, like tears streaming down their face, screaming and trying to run into the, the heart of where this acrid smoke goes up. It's very hard to see. Uh, it's the other kid underneath. Mm. Sorry, you said uh, one of the, the, old, the noble is staring down an alleyway? Yes. What's down the alleyway? You look down the alleyway and can see nothing. The alleyway is the alleyway that lies in between the tiger's eye and Tabitha's residence. It, it's often the alleyway that little Tabitha looks down in very often. Yeah. Uh, and you can actually see 
that little Tabitha is kind of sitting there staring out the window and does not look like her normal inquisitive self and actually just kind of like all you see is her frozen little doll face just yeah. kind of in, I'm just gonna yell up at her and, and go back in your room now she doesn't even speak she doesn't even react she just kind of slowly backs back in yeah. as though she's seen some shit I uh, then go to the old lady and just go, what did you say? Okay, you go to the old lady? Who's yeah. going? Who, who if anyone's going, going to? I'll go to Agatha. Agatha. Okay, we'll go yeah. to Agatha. Um, it, is a, it is a tragic scene. Izzy. I would like to cast Prestigitation to create okay. a puff of smoke. Uh, no, not a puff of smoke, a puff of wind to blow away. Oh, now don't forget, you're still in the tower. Ah, yes. Looking so, out, looking out. But, but that should make it easier. Can you, can you please, well, it, it's more just the range. Uh, this is uh, quite far. Um, can actually, you give me a, a perception check, though? Yeah, sure. No worries. Absolutely. That's certainly something you can do looking for what isn't currently in the alleyway. 14. 14. Okay. So, hmm. I'm going to give you something. So, when you first look up, out of the corner of your eye, you see something moving very, very quickly very quickly across the rooftops to the point where you even see like a, a, a kind of a humanoid figure maybe with a cloak or a cape you don't know because it's soon lost in the fog it's really more of a tall thin shadow that you see leaping from one rooftop to another and then it's gone i would like to give chase um i am going to cast featherfall on myself oh okay and leap off the top of the tower wow all right then so you so you can so uh, featherfall and then just try to sort of scramble up and run from rooftop to rooftop after it yeah okay uh let us okay so just give me either an acrobatics or athletics check sure. let's see how well you do give me give me three okay you are at a bit of a disadvantage for this because you're quite you're quite far away. Yeah. It's it's a good couple of hours. 18, 20, unnatural 20. Wow. Nine. Okay. Good, good, good. Okay. So it works like this. You run and you manage to get from your tower. You're using Featherfall. Yeah. We'll, we'll say that you maybe do a bit of a shimmy across a clothesline that leads from yeah. building to building. Yeah. And then you try to follow. Now it's really hard because of the fact that the roofs are slick with rain and so forth. As you give chase, you think that there's a figure that is just, just through the fog. You're mostly listening to what sounds like a strange sound of almost armored feet kind of clank, 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 clank. Hmm. And it moves with a weird grace, like it's lighter than it should be. Yeah. But as that occurs, can you, what is your armor class? I'm My sorry. armor class is 11. Okay. Oh no. Would you please take 24 points of damage? As, as as you are chasing this thing. And actually, with those rolls, you're not, you're not doing the worst job in the world because it looks like it has to come down and sort of come off the roofs at some point. You know, it gets to where there's like a main road and, and so it has to leap off and get, try to disappear in the crowd type yeah. thing. But before that happens, Izzy, I'm so sorry, the last thing that you see is a, a figure that you don't recognize, but your companions might, and they may have given you a description that chasing this thing, mm. you see another man, a tall, sort of burly, barrel-chested guy mm. with a short black beard, which is streaked with a skunk-like mm -hmm. uh, white streak in it. He looks charred. Like, he looks like he was somebody that was in the fucking fireball. Like, he has, right. his cloak is burnt and in tatters. His face is burnt as well. Yeah. And he is giving chase with fury in his eyes after this thing. But he was doing it so silently that, and, and actually invisibly, mm. so that only when he attacks does he become visible, mm. right? Breaking the invisibility spell. You know how it works. He was almost drawing up to be almost alongside you. Mm. And then seeing that you actually were doing pretty well and probably actually going to even get ahead of him, he just casually and maliciously turned and shot you in the throat. The crossbow bolt enters your throat Ooh. and you plummet off the roof and as you do, everything goes black. 
Thanks for listening to Shared Sagas. All music on the show is used under Creative Commons. Check the episode notes for full details.